We go back to Malachim Bey's Perik Yutes. Let's go back to Pasuk Vav. We have the Nevoah from Yishayel Hanavi giving some good news. Remember, Chizkiah asked for two things. He asked for a Nevoah, if there was one, to give them an insight into perhaps what they're supposed to do, what the end will be, and short-term, some chizuk to be able to get to that end. And we spoke at length about the need for that middle ground. Kosh Baruch Hu gives the nevuah through the Navi that right now there's going to be a reprieve and there will be a Yeshua at the end as well. So Kosh Baruch Hu and the gives both. And... Let's go back again to Pasuk Vav. Yemalam, Yishayel Kaisemrun, El Adonechem Kayam Arashem, Altirab Neadvar Meshe Shamata, Shegitfu Nare Melech Asher Aisi. Notice how Kosh Bachel calls him Nare Melech Asher. Nare sometimes means young, sometimes means foolish. Here it means the latter. Hidden in Aisim by Ruach Vashamashmur Vashavla Artsai, the Palta Becher Bartsai. We saw Rashi last week that this is actually made up of two different things. He's going to hear a Shmur that's being attacked, not a Shmur. Only it's real. He's going to fight Melech Kush and his allies. He's going to disappear to wage that battle. He's going to win that battle. He's going to come back in his mind stronger, wealthier, more powerful in terms of his reputation of annihilating his enemies. More Gaiva. Bigger they are, the harder they fall. And then he's going to come back, surround Yushalayim again. And then he's going to lose his entire army, go back to his land, and actually go back to Ninveh, we'll discuss that, and be killed by his sons. He's going to meet his end in a very busy and way, as he deserves. So the Pasuk here, is going to hear a rumor to leave temporarily, then come back, and then ultimately suffer a humiliating defeat. Why did he leave first and then come back? Because Baruch is bringing Yeshua, so bring it now. Never too soon. So there's a timing for everything. And one of the things the Gemara says the people will never know is when the Yeshua is coming, because that takes away the Nisayim. Part of the Bitochen is to wait patiently to daven to improve, and when Akash Baruch brings it, he brings it. In 2020 hindsight, perfect 2020 hindsight, the offer two explanations, but more, we're going to share two, and why he should leave and then come back. Well, Chizkiyo HaMelech asked, if we can't have the Yeshua now, can we have a reprieve? That was his request. Can we have Chizik? So he got that. Now, if a person asks for Chizik to get there, get over the hump, so to speak, and Hakash had a mind to bring the Yeshua now. Hakash is not going to give a small reprieve and then bring the Yeshua later because of that. There obviously must be a greater part of the plan, besides the fact that Akash Baruch Hu did give this chizuk because the Yeshua wasn't here just yet. But why have him go and come back? So one reason, Pashup Shad, is he's going to come back with five trillion more dollars, and the economy here was in shambles. They had nothing to eat; they were starving, and they need not only a booster shot in their General Bitachon Amuna and their uh, general ability to get to the end of this saga, they also need the ability to rebuild. 
and uh, the money here is going to be necessary, as will the crops, and we're going to get, get to that soon. The Imam Shahid, it wasn't a question of buying food. They had no food. There's no food in the countryside. But they will need money. They will need the cash. Second reason is offered by the Rinat Yitzchak. He says that the Gemara Sahedrin, which we once went through, we're going to have to go see it again for parts of it. The Gemara describes the terrible Kitrug that was hanging over Klai Yisrael, yet from the Avera of Noiv, which is a long time ago. Search the recesses of your hard drive in your brain. Uh, Noiv was wiped out by Shoal, and the Kainim were killed. Gavanim lost their job for many, many years till. Even that second part was brought to the attention of Clyde Saul in terms of a famine. And they had to, well, they offered reparations that they didn't take because they were cruel, nonsensible people. And Takash Baruch said, you have to make them happy anyway, part of the Takana and part of the Kapara of Machas Beishal. And certain descendants were handed over. The Kitrik of Noiv was still hanging over Clyde Saul after they gave over the descendants of Shoal. After the famine, it was still here. And like many national calamities in terms of the Avera that triggers the, the, uh, the downfall and what has to be paid back, Chet Egel, Pasek says, I'm gonna, Shem says, I'm going to sprinkle the kapara over many, many, many generations because it's so bad. You need so much kapara that it can't be paid back in one shot. It has to be in many installments. Okay, many installments is good in this case because Chayzol was survived. Neuver Kainim, although it was more of a personal Avera of Shoal, but apparently Avner was there, and Gemara says he could have stopped it, and other people apparently. It was collectively spread over many years and over all of Chayzol, which is fascinating unto itself because the Gemara talks about Avner, and even that's a machlek as whether he was responsible. He tried to be Meicha, could have been Meicha more. Doesn't talk about the rest of Klaisol. What this Gemara does? This Gemara says that uh, Noiv was still overshadowing anything that might happen that's good. And the stargazers that were with the camp of Ashur, every good invading emperor had many stargazers telling him what to do. Most of them were uh, not too accurate, but it was a Chachma. And they told him, Your Highness, uh, you better go attack Yushalayim now. If you go still today, coming back from his battle with Kush, if you go today, you're going to succeed. This was the last day of the Cheshman of Naiv. It's incredible, mind-boggling, that Naiv should play such a role, something that happened so long ago, and that there was a Sakana for the, uh, talking about existential Sakana for, for the rest of Klayasol, which is just Yushalayim right now. And he came back with more gaiva, as I mentioned, more power, and 185,000 troops. That's the smaller number. Each one, 2,000 men served under each one of these officers. Numbers in the millions. And he just conquered Kush. Probably has many other POWs, a lot of money. And he's coming back, and they tell him, Your Highness, better hurry up. Today's the day. And he said, yeah, tomorrow's also a day. What's the rush? This is like a joke. Timing is almost everything in life. Of course, Akash Baruch Hu, it's a fabulous point that Rinat Yitzchak is making, is that Hashem sent them away over there for the head of campaign because the clock is still ticking 
and Hashem didn't want him to attack earlier. See Adam go over there, it takes time to travel, you've got to fight the battle, collect the booty, now he's coming back, and the stargazers are saying, uh, can we uh, hurry up with all the booty and everything, and I know it's slow going with all the POWs and the, the victory parades, can we get going? And uh, his royal Balgaiva said, yeah, tomorrow, next week, it's mañana, what's the problem? And he was one day too late, not by coincidence. And he attacked the next day, and now, with all the learning, which the Gemara says, the main Yeshua, with the oil of Chizkiel uh, burning in the base Medrash, and the Tshuva process, and the promise to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, and the promise to the promise to Malchus Beis David, I'm mentioning all these things, the Pesukim will. And now the fact that all that would have worked, but there was one thing holding it back, Noiv. So now that Noiv's out of the way, totally paid back, we burnt the mortgage. That's a good way to understand it. Uh, the last day of the burning of the mortgage, and um, now all the other schusim can come into play, and now he's one day too late, and not only one day too late, he's not even going to survive the night. At least his army won't. Talk about dramatic endings. It doesn't get much stronger than this, but you have to know the Gemara Sanhedrin in the background. So now we know why he was sent over there, now he's back a few weeks later. So it wasn't time yet, so every Yeshua, personal or national, has his exact time, and the complicated cheshbenes are only in Shamayim. Can they? I, I just mentioned there had to be like five different schusim in place, and the uh, tshuva, the yachid, and the rabbim, and the tamatera, and the avaida, and the verkayinim had to be out of the way. So now we're ready, almost ready. Next couple of weeks we can get to it. And uh, he's going to um, give his farewell drosha. Uh, dripping with uh, blasphemous gaiva. And Kosh uh, Baruch is going to answer through the Navi. And in between, we're going to have another Tzila from Chizkiah. So there's still more to say here. Yes? The Gemara says, stargazing was a science uh, slash uh, kishuf, a blend of both. Uh, what you're going to read in the paper, what you're not reading the paper, that uh, based on your horoscope, you're going to meet somebody special today. You already did. You're sitting with all your chaverim, and you're sitting in the shir. What could be better? So you've already been mekayim. Uh, say it vaguely enough, and you'll always be right. or always be wrong. So uh, the trash you're reading today is uh, no shaykhs. But uh, yeah, of course there was a design. We know Abmavinu, the kosher way, not the kishuf way. Amavim read the stars quite accurately. He said to Akash Baruch Hu, I can't have children. We're talking about Klai Yisrael. I can't have children. It's not in the stars. not happening. Akash Baruch Hu didn't say, those silly stars? But you didn't read it right. Akash Baruch Hu said, you're 100% right. I'm going to have to raise you above the stars. And we're going to start Klai Yisrael anyway. You're going to have a child. But the question here is... Baruch Hu didn't say it was wrong. He said it was absolutely pretty precise. And um, i got to raise you above the stars. Well, they, these, yeah. These were these were Bali No, they they specialized in this. This is what they. This is how the Avodah was always uh, fortified. They they used to tell the uh, the masses and the simpletons that uh, we could do this trick, which was a simple parlor trick that anybody in astrology 101 can do. But the masses didn't know that. And then all of a sudden, he was the chief Galach and bottle washer, and that's how they got him to 
bring their kids from Moluch and bow down to this, that, and the other thing and line his pockets with money. This is all part of the, this is what gave them the ability to fool the people. And uh, the Yidin, the from Yidin knew that Zulu Mazu, and the more we have Navu and Openism, the more gonna have, uh, they're going to have Kishuf, and, and there's, uh, you gotta know, got to know who's who, and uh, the Avodah has always displayed some of these powers based on these uh, Kishuf or Chachma and fooled the people, which is going to be uh, coming up uh, maybe in four, five, six weeks when uh, the Melech above all, who he was, uh, wakes up after his regular morning nap a day late and he almost kills everybody in the palace would you let me sleep for so many hours they tell him no, 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 no no. you don't understand the sun went backwards he says, oh, that makes sense he says, and, and who pray tell did that? he says, well, there's a king in Yushalayim and he's got a super god and this, this uh, Melabov will bow down to the gods of the sun and the like and he said, more powerful than my god? and he said, apparently so so in their mind, there was only a question of, well, who's got better tricks? And every time, they couldn't believe it, but every time it really came down to the wire, the Jewish God always trumped. So some of them became Bali Chuva from that, some of them became Garen because of that, and some of them decided to say, okay, well, if I had a different battle on a different day, and they just remained stubborn. So yes, there was plenty of... Shem put plenty of things in the Bria to fool the people to make it somewhat of an equal game of, uh, not a game, it's a very serious, but in their, their eyes it was all a question of, you know, who's stronger than who, and, and many powers, and uh, there's gods of light and gods of darkness, which is why we say, uh, first thing we do before we declare Yachtus Hashem Kriyashma is to declare it's the one God, same God, darkness, light, sun, moon, same God, and no one's fighting anybody else. This is all um, the Greek mythology. It's all about the gods constantly fighting and bickering, and uh, he's taken over now, and they're taken over later, and that, that, that was exactly the struggle. But they used these rayas, and uh, some of them were accurate in terms of what he could do, what he can't do. Uh, the Pele is, after he didn't go, why the stargazers didn't run for the hills. If they said there's only a few hours left, Toshkia. And he kept waiting, and they said, okay, your highness, we'll give you Rabbeinu Tam. <laughs> After that, you run out of time. So why did they run for the hills? The answer is they probably did. They, they all they figured tomorrow morning we're out of here because this campaign is dead. And they didn't wake up. So it was too late. I'm sure in their mind they felt that uh, that is too little too late, which it was, but not for their reasons. They didn't necessarily know the cheshman of Noiv. They just saw in the stars that uh, his streak of luck was running out. So these are complicated cheshbenes. Pasuches vayashav avshakav yimsa as melech asher nocham alivna kishamaki nasim ilachish. He goes back to headquarters and already running to a different campaign. Vayishma el terhaka melakush leimor. The reason they leave is they hear the kush is attacking from the rear. Hinei yatsi lachem ita vayashav biyishlach malachem el cheskiel leimor. So as he departs, he sends another very strong message to cheskiel melach lest he think. That he's giving up, Pasagud. Paragud test, Pasagud. Kaisaimrun el Cheskiel Melchud Alemar. Al Yashiacha Elo Kecha Asheratabater Balemar. Keep in mind, this is very important for the background. The tyrants of old, the Rishonim of old, knew Hakash Baruchu and Ratzal Limrud Boy. This was not just a regular battle like he fought in Bavel and in Mitzrayim and now uh, for Kush. Kush is actually aligned with Mitzrayim again. Those were battles for power and money. 
This was a battle, and I will document that soon. This is a battle not only for more territory. Yushalayim wasn't that big. This was for Yushalayim because Yushalayim represented the Yidin and the Yidin represented the Kosh Baruch Hu. And this was a battle of Arazara against Akash Baruch Hu. And this was a religious battle. And that's why he's taking this so seriously. He didn't make so many drushes against all the other countries he fought. And he's doing this because he wants to Dafka take over Yushalayim, he wants to take over the Makam Amiktish, and he wants to destroy the Mikdash Shalmata in order to be able to destroy the Mikdash Shalmayla. The same battle that Nimrod fought, and I use Nimrod because he was the first that ever fought a world war. And Nimrod was a person who was married against the Kajabarah. And the battles down here were just a way to do that, to be able to get to Klai Yisrael. Uh, they don't make Rosham the way they used to. Maybe that's good. But if you ask uh, somebody today why they're fighting this battle, so deep down, they might not realize this, but uh, they'll even claim it's not anti-Semitism. It's not anti-Semitism, it's anti-Zionism. No, it's not. It's against the Jews, because the Jews are the reminder of the thorn in their side that they're not the right religion, and their voters are not correct, and even their monotheism is not correct, uh, because they have it all wrong, and the Jews keep reminding them, and they don't like that. So they won't necessarily realize that fully, they won't certainly won't say it to the media, but that's what's going on over here. And over here, he realized it, and he keeps talking, he's talking very firm, in the wrong direction. Uh, if you're a conqueror, to so say, don't depend on your army, you have less tanks, you don't have any F-16s. Uh, his opening line again for this final Joshua is, uh, I know, you're depending on your God, your God's not going to save you here. My gods are obviously running the show. And Chizkiyo is going to use this in his tefillah, that even if we don't have this chusim, where they knew that Neuver Kainim was still on, almost ending, he knew they were in bad shape. Even in this chusim, it's a chil Hashem. Now, when we're Zeicher, Kosh which Kaviyachal he wants to do all the time, is defend the chil Hashem and make it into a Kiddush Hashem. We're not always Zeicher to that. Hence, the Holocaust. And many others, Hashem won't always step in. Of course, that's a chil Hashem. Hashem saves his people. The answer is, well, the Kiddush Hashem is in perfect uh, 70, 80 year hindsight. Hashem will, Hashem did, and Hashem will continue to. But that's easier to say when you're in a comfortable room overlooking the gorgeous scenery here. That wasn't so apparent in 1943. But as we open this year with the Yeshua in terms of its timing and the way it comes out, there's not always going to be clear to us. So when you're in it, it's hard to see. I always tell people when they talk about the problems. We don't sweep problems under the carpet. We speak about the problems all the time. But if you ever want to look at a point in Klai Yisrael where in terms of the chizik and amuna, what HaKosh Baruch Hu has in plan for us in terms of saving us again and again and that whenever we think and everybody else thinks we can't possibly be here anymore, we're still here. You can't be living in a better time. It's not just the Holocaust. It's after the Holocaust in 1946 in America, Everybody was predicting the Shiloh Wars. Five years, ten years, the total demise of Torah Judaism, as anybody knew it. Davar Pasha. David, you might be a couple years old than me. You might even remember them still talking like that, right? And it was Davar Pasha. It wasn't even a discussion. It's a question of, okay, five years, ten years. Yeah, now we got some older people who survived. They're now coming here to New York. Okay, a couple of other shuls. Okay, we'll give it ten years, fifteen years. Nothing to talk about with the kids and their grandchildren. That's a, that's a Davar Pasha. 
So, uh, and there were, there were not Jews saying that, but mostly the Jews were saying that. And they weren't saying that because they were historians. They were saying that because they willed it so, at least on the surface, because they weren't with the program. And uh, it's, it's hard to imagine. We look at that, you tell it to your kids, they laugh at that. Say, what are they talking about? They won't even say, what are they talking about? They say, who said that? There's none of the people who said that are around. Unfortunately, we're not happy about that. Who, who would say such a ridiculous thing like that? We can't, every time we build another floor in a yeshiva, we can't, uh, can't build fast enough. So again, that's easy to look at when you're sitting here now. That's Nifla Sabari. We should never forget that for a moment. We'll take it for granted. Melachasher is saying that um, you're silly enough to believe in your God. I'm coming right back. Just a slight uh, intermission. And we're going to see whose God is God. He's focused on Yushalayim because Yushalayim Shalmaila, not Yushalayim Shalmata. He must think the people in Yushalayim don't have a good memory, but he's going to do Chazar over here on the previous drushes to uh, make his point stronger. He says, what do you think? I can't get everybody else in the civilized world. Do you think you're going to survive? And he goes into the religious war again. He says, they also have gods. Didn't do anything for them. We got a whole list of um, places and their avodazaras. Melech Leir, Sifar Vayim, Heina Viva Viikach, Chizkiyos Asfarmiya Melachim. He gets his drosha, not only Baal Peh, but in writing, very important, he takes the scrolls. Viikarem. He reads them, brings them to the base of Mikdash. Very powerful. I, I don't know, you got to be, it almost sounds like a Rav Levi Yitzchak. He's using uh, evidence to prove that they got to do something from the Jewish people. Look at where, even though we're not worthy, look at these letters, look at this uh, written version of this terrible, blasphemous uh, sermon here. He spreads them out in front of Akash Baruch which means Hashem is everywhere, in the base of Mikdash. You would think you can't even bring these into the base of Mikdash. The Chiddush is allowed to bring them in. Full of Chir, Fagiduf. But he did it because this is written proof for the Chiddush Hashem. You don't have to prove anything to Akash Baruch But apparently the tangible object could be used as a Kayach, as a Limitzchus. Interesting idea. What? No, he went to where, where the Yidin David and the Melech had his spot. But the question is, has let to bring it? Can you bring a book of Kfira into the bed? This is full of Kfira. The whole thing was Kfira from beginning to end. It's a written version of uh, the longer version of what we just read. So Chizkiyot brought it in for effect. Now, part of the effect is to help him David, but part of it was Hashem, this is a massive Chil Hashem, and you have the power to end this in 10 seconds, which he will do. And look at what they're saying, and look at what they're writing. You rule the whole world. Listen and look at the written copy. 
If you notice, we borrowed some of this and we use it in our Vuhu Racham. There's still some people, it says, still some people that want to skip Vuhu Racham and have major celebrations which take longer. The party takes longer than we would have said to say Vuhu Racham. Uh, and it's a whole yantif when we skip Vuhu Racham. It happens to be it is yantif when we skip Vuhu Racham, but that's not the yantif I'm talking about. So Vurachum, if you just look, it was written piecemeal. If you just look at Vurachum, you can get an idea of what's going on in Jewish history in the last thousand years. It's, it's terrible, heartrending to read. But the Psukim are written in a way that all echo this message, and some of these words are in there, is that you have Jews that are downtrodden always in the Middle Ages. It was never great. Sometimes we survived... And the community was able to function for a few decades before it was destroyed, and sometimes they didn't even get that long. Sometimes uh, it was longer, but then they got too comfortable, and then it was utterly destroyed. The, uh, one of the many footnotes of history, they dash in the word Poland. How do you dash in the word Poland? P-O-L-A-N-D, how do you dash it? Well, in Hebrew, it's Poland. Ends with a nun. And they dash in Poilin. Baruch Hashem, we have a country. Here, we're going to rest, and we're going to stay, and... I'd be as gold said. It. So there's nothing wrong. Nice, nice Russia, make a tefillah out of it. And when they were thrown out of Germany and most of them were, were killed and the crusaders came by and they, and they couldn't uh, rest their weary head anywhere, the king of Poland, who was a smart economist, realizes a pattern over here. Wherever the Jews come, the economy improves. And wherever they leave, the economy never survives and never rebounds. So he made a gracious offer at the goodness of his heart, totally l'shma, l'shem mom and harbe. That's l'shma. So he invited all the Jews in to build up. He, there was no middle class. You had these, you had the serfs, okay, they farmed, and then you had the dukes and the noblemen who didn't do anything but play cards and drink. Very hard to run a society where there's no middle class. Where's the guild of the, you need like artisans, you need merchants, you need like, so the Jews were a good answer to that problem. So he invited all the Jews in, and he put up the Statue of Liberty, saying, bring me all your people and your, whatever the Nusuch is, written by a Yid. One of Menachem's cousins, I suppose. No, I never asked him. Some Lazarus. Some Lazarus wrote that. So um, he put up his beacon of hope, and he invited them in, and says, ah, oh, Baruch Hashem, Poland. Truth is, it worked for um, a while, until Hitler and Mahshemite came. Nothing lasts forever, even before Hitler. They had a couple of ruthless uh, tyrants beforehand. Some lasted longer, some lasted shorter. Whenever they realized that the Jews, as we mentioned yesterday in Shear, maybe were driving the economy, but we also owed them all the money from the liquor houses and from the rent, and then that triggered a pogrom, which was yesterday's story about the Mechiris Chametz. But they were so uh, hungry for some good news, Poland sounded very good. Sounded a lot better than Ashkenaz. I don't know what they darshaned over there, but uh, it worked for a while and, uh, until it didn't work. So they were looking for something. You look at Urachim, it's each one's written after each crusade and pogrom. And the main feel is, Akash Baruch who save us, if for nothing else we don't deserve it, save us because we've got to prove to the world that we're still here and the biggest miracles were still here. And in that, of course, Akash Baruch who delivers and has delivered and will continue to deliver. Pasuk Yitzayin. 
So Chizkiah said, yes, his first part of his Russia is true. He conquered every land and every civilization and conquered all the other gods. You know why? Ki lo'yelahim hema, because they're not gods. Of course they were conquered. Ki emaisa yidei adam eitz ve'evem ve'abdum, so they're destroyed because there's nothing to them. Va'ata Hashem elokeinu hoshienu no miyadoi, but you, God, are the only true God with all the power. V'yedu komam lechaz ha'aretz, Ki You're the only power. And this is the chance to let them know. Interesting, you think about it for a moment. Uh, this tefillah is Chizkiyo Melch suggesting to Hosh is a great opportunity to make a Shem Shemaim. Hashem knows that. And the Chiddush over here is it's not a chutzpah to spell this out. You think it's a chutzpah. Here's a, it's telling Hashem, here's a chance to let all the nations know that all the gods are worthless, you're the only true power which is obvious, self-evident, and Hashem knows that, but you're still allowed to say it. Zman Kriyashma, you always manage to say it when we talk about Yachtas Hashem. It's unbelievable. So Zman Kriyashma, if you didn't say it. And this is the end of Chizkiyo's tefillah. And notice how Chizkiyo and this tefillah, because this is about as nerve-wracking and uh, as bad as it might get. Chizkiyo knows that they're coming back and Something has to be done one way or another. And he doesn't mention a word about his chusim in this tila. It's all about Kiddush Shem Shemayim, which is an important aspect of our tefillah we overlook. I always uh, mention in Shema Esrei, certain parts are a little more popular than others. Everybody knows the first bracha is ma'akev, if you don't have kavana. So you really got to start with full concentration, put your feet together, and uh, put the talus over the heads, you don't see anything, and really put your thoughts into it, because it's makev. And then maidim, many places can say, it's also makev, say thank you. What happens in between is the problem, because we travel the world in between. Some people are in Florida, in Japan, China, Bangladesh, uh, you name it. So um, on Shabbos, it's a problem, because even issue of Shabbos, by the way. Shabbos is a particular issue. You say, So uh, people find certain parts easier than others. So Shabbos, at least you haven't said it in seven days, you've got to focus on the words. During the week, we say it three times a day. So Slachlan was popular, unfortunately, Leilena was popular. Chayin and Adash should be very popular. You need brains for your learning, for your davening, for the office. You need Siat Shmaya, Baruch for the office, Parnosa. I think uh, we should make a campaign. I, I don't want to even suggest it, but uh, the most uh, left out mes uh, mitzvah vabracha, pick one. I know you don't want to because we'll be admitting our guilt. Uh, after we're already almost burnt out from having kavana from the first part, we already have a tkabe shefer. So tkabe shefer. They're asking, what's tkabe shefer about? Well, something about a gula. It's something about a gula. But Kab B'Shefer and Oshiva is about restoring Kfod Shemayim. We don't want to come back. Our Pisgah Pebbi here is not to come back just for us. It's about Kab B'Shefer. Hashem should show his Malchus Shemayim. And it's about restoring justice, restoring uh, Dayanim and the uh, Beis HaMikdash. That's, uh, we don't identify with that as much. We should, because that's about Kfod Shemayim. It's about what Klai Yisrael's role is in the world to show that with the Amanifcher, which should mean a lot to us also, but somehow it's not so personal, so we're, as selfish people, we don't focus on it enough. So uh, this morning or this afternoon, it's because I take a look at those brachas, is it, it's really talking about what Chizkiah is discussing over here. 
On that positive note, we're going to get a response directly from Akash Baruch Hu next week. We're going to go to the Peleyates now and hear the Dvar Hashem through the Peleyates. We are on page Kuflam and Ches at the bottom. As you've gathered from the last uh, either 11 years of Navi over here or 20 years of that we have recorded, uh, if you don't know history from the right sources, then you're not going to understand what is being taught in Tanakh and what the Dvar Hashem is because you can't appreciate everybody lives in their own uh, world. So if they're 10 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, what they see is Kanem Sekan Haya. They don't really understand. That doesn't mean... You can get it all from the running commentary that we have in, in Navi. You've got to be very careful not to take history from the wrong source because most people are writing history with their own agenda. But it's very important because otherwise you don't know what Vu Racham is teaching you. You don't know what we're asking for in Shemon Esri. We don't know what you had. You're not going to know what you're asking for. And unfortunately, yes, most people, even if they're from, they say, what are we asking for? I don't know. Everything looks just fine. What are we asking for? That's why the Kabbalah and Hashiva and Samach loses some of its flavor. It says, uh, what are we asking for? You want to be more from? Well, it can be as from as you want. You want to learn? You can learn as much as you want. No one's bothering you. That's Gavaldic, but half Hashemad Esrei is still about asking for a solution which in the totality of it talks about Kvod Shemayim, and we're not there yet. That's one of the most important things to learn about what goes on another even when we're heading toward a Horban. So uh, we're going to develop that over the next uh, few months. Bottom line, bottom two lines of Kuflam al-Ches. We're talking about Kepeda, we're talking about defending, yesterday we spoke about defending Kfayid Basav Adam, and that your friend's covet is your Ruchnius, and being extra careful with his covet and what he's mocked about, even though you think it's silly, as long as it's something that can be catered to, and should be catered to, even though most people don't mind. And now, not coincidentally, to our Sugya, being worried about the larger picture of the other parts of Shema Nesrei and our tefillahs and what we hear for Kvayt Shemayim and Kiddush Shem Shemayim. Lasas is kolah shebekecha mitzvahs amaisim tevim mili dechasidusa lasas nachasruach liyetzroi levroyach min avera. Not only for our own personal olam haba and our own ruchnius and to stay away from Gehenim, we're talking about Kvayt Shemayim. So. I didn't pick this paragraph, but very providential. To be careful on kalas and chamurus, all the large quote unquote mitzvahs and averus and small ones, as there are no small ones. is all about what it shows in your diktuk and kvayt shemayim. So it doesn't mean large and small. If you're doing the melech's bidding, so you're doing it. If you're not, it shows the chutzpah. In Kvayt Shemayim, it doesn't make it how big and how small it is. Kigadol Kvayda Gudayla Chavaseinu Aden Cheker Lavud B'Chol Nafsheinu B'Chol Lovavenu Lasas Nachas Ruach Liyatzreinu. Now the Nachas Ruach part, since Ein Lano Esik Benestari, you got to be very careful with, because you can't just go out on a limb and uh, make up your own uh, interpretation of what gives Nachas to a Gadol Baruch Hu. You have many well-intended Jews who do that all day. Just they're not yet from, and they don't know too much, and some of them are somewhat from, and they don't know too much, and they say, well, I feel Hashem would really, quote-unquote, enjoy this. 
you can't, uh, you want to know what Hashem gets nachas from, you look in Chumash, Shas, Rishayinam, Achrayinam, and Shulchanar. You can't make it up as you go along the way. What you can do, based on yesterday's Russia, is understand what the Ramban says, Bagadeshim, to you. Elaborating what Rashi says is have a prushim arayas, and then Ramban says have a prushim from all the Maseris and Gashmias and running after Gashmias, because otherwise you're a manuvul b'shusatayra. So without a pasik of Kadeshim to you, you couldn't even say that. Even though it makes a lot of sense to us. Ramban says, well, you're doing all the mitzvahs, you're dotting all the I's. I don't want to talk about crossing the T's, but that technically is mutter. And you're doing everything that it says. You have 365, let's say, 248 assays. So what's the problem? You're doing that, but your whole life is running after Gashmias and uh, acting like a behema, even though you are from, let's say from behema, but you uh, can't be a from behema. It's an oxymoron. But you're doing all the right things. Technically, you're just, your life is not focused on your ruchni. It's focused on your Gashmias. You're just doing things because you have to do things, which is good already. At least you're doing them. So the Ramban says, Kamash Malon, the Pusik tells you, Kadeshim to you, you can't do that either. But there's a Pusik that says that. Otherwise, you can come to the incorrect conclusion, as many people who didn't look at Armasera did, and say that, well, if you really want to be from, God doesn't really want you getting married, because that's too much into your Gashmias, and God doesn't want you eating that much so fast for a month. God doesn't want you enjoying yourself to walk on nails. Why not? Do you really want to be religious? So don't be into your Gashmias at all. The answer is, you need a Shulchan Aruch to balance that. And you need a Shulchan Aruch to balance that to tell you what's a Din, what's a Chumrah, what's a Lamed Vavnik, what's only for Moshe Rabbeinu, in terms of not getting married, the first and last. Where the biggest sugi we have coming up is Chizkiyo and him not getting married. What the Havmina was, what the Maskana was, a lot to discuss there. But it's not really part of regular normative Judaism. There was a one-time Hara Shah due to the, all the other Hara Shahs going on. Normally, have a cloud of Hashemayim here. Moshe Rabbeinu did just that. He went up to Hashemayim, broke down the Torah, and said everything over from Hashem. Well, what happened to Lob Hashemayim here? That's after Moshe Rabbeinu. said so a lot of things that happened that Moshe Rabbeinu had to transmit the Torah, and he had to do and not do certain things. That has nothing to do with normative halacha. So you could take it too far and say, well, Hashem obviously wants me to be more spiritual. The answer is, look in Shulchan Aruch, you'll find out what spirituality is. And lest you think you could be Redei Fagashmias your whole life and still keep the mitzvahs, and then look in the Chumash and look at Rashi and the Rabban, and you'll see what Kadeshim Tiyu means. But you still need a source. And that's what he's getting at. Lasas Nachaz Ruch Yetzreinu is being medaktik and Kalas Nachamurus on the dinim that we know. Besides the fact that it's not good for our neshamas to do averis, it also triggers a lot in the cosmos in terms of the damage it does in Shemayim to the Bria, to other Yidin, it weighs them down, Arvis, and it causes Kaviachol, Tsar, and Kas in Shemayim, Chalil Vachas. So we have to be cognizant of the fact that it's not only about our Olam Haba and our Gehenim. We're here for a greater purpose. Gehenim is real for us and Ganeden is real, but it's about being part of the system of being Magdal Kved and that requires you to look outside of yourself as we spoke about yesterday in the Drosha as well.